Hi, this is Donna Mills. You are listening to TV Confidential. Welcome to Pink Lady. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television. Now we'll welcome back eight-time Emmy Award-winning actor Ed Asner in our second hour. Ed Asner, the actor known around the world as Lou Grant on both the Mary Tyler Moore Show and his own show, Lou Grant. Ed is currently seen every week on the USA Network series Briar Patch. We'll ask Ed if the character he plays on Briar Patch likes spunk. Or not. We'll also talk about Ed's new memoir about his growing up years in the West Bottoms of Kansas City and the tremendous influence that Ed's father has on his life and career to this day. Ed Asner will join us in our second hour. We hope you'll stay tuned for that. In the meantime, coming up later on this hour, we will say hello to Carol Ford and Linda Groundwater. Carol and Linda are two of the co-authors of a comprehensive biography of actor Bob Crane that provides a full and complete history of the Hogan's Hero star that shows who he was and, just as important, who he was not. Carol Ford, Linda Groundwater will join us Later on this hour. In the meantime, Donna Allen is on assignment this week, but Tony Figueroa is with us for this week in TV history. Tony's segment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble, storysalon.com, facebook.com forward slash storysalon. This week, Tony will take us to March 1st, 1980, the premiere of Pink Lady and Jeff on NBC. Pink Lady and Jeff, the short-lived Variety series produced by Sid and Marty Croft. And as you're about to hear, Tony's coverage of Pink Lady includes firsthand knowledge. He was in the audience on the day that the pilot for Pink Lady was originally taped in December 1979. You know, growing up in L.A., and I've, I've had this conversation a couple times recently, and I would, lo- I would love anybody in the teaching profession to give their two cents. If we grew up in Milwaukee, there might be a push towards the brewing industry or the cheese industry, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's the industry. If I stayed living in Defiance, Ohio with my grandparents, there might have been a push to get me to work for the GM plant Mm -hmm. in town. But I've lived in uh, L.A. since I was seven. I lived in West Hollywood and Hollywood uh, since I was seven years old. And yeah, the industry is the arts. I mean, the, the only bigger industry at the time was defense. Yeah. And that was top secret stuff. So, yeah, we did not go to take a field trip to Lockheed no. to see the top secret bomber. No, you watched the FBI for that. Yeah. So, you know, it was, you know, so and so uh, we did have field trips to the UCLA theater department to teach us at third grade what was real and what's make believe and how things look on camera and how you make. Uh, and then other field trips to operas and ballets. And some of these were specially made for school groups. You know, you're not being a bunch of rowdy kids while paying customers are seeing you know the show. And so there'd be other elements added, like maybe taking you backstage. So how did they make the lightning? How did they make, where's the orchestra that you could hear, but you can't see? How does so-and-so fly? You know, is it, oh, let's show you the wiring rig, right? So we had a lot of that. And then when I was in junior high school, there was a thing, you remember it, uh, Howard Jarvis and Proposition 13. Yes. A lot of those programs were cut. cut. They were cut. Now, uh, if you were playing football, you still needed a helmet. You got that helmet. You know, they didn't cut that. But a lot of the programs for, for arts and stuff like this was cut. Now, you also keep in mind where we grew up. 
a lot of us had parents that were connected to the industry mm -hmm. directly or indirect. My mother was an art director with Motown. Yeah. My best friend's dad uh, was a film editor doing a lot of work for television at 20th Century Fox. Uh, you had uh, another friend whose sister was in casting. You had uh, other friends whose parents were actors. You had friends who were actors. My neighbor uh, was... Uh, actually, my mom worked with a, a, a brilliant photographer named Jim, Jim Britt, who's still around. He was married uh, to an actress, model, and later voiceover talent Melindy named Melindy Britt. Britt. You know, so I went to uh, school with Melindy. So we had that connection to the industry. And uh, there were uh, groups. So if there's anybody in the teaching profession, I would love to get your two cents if they were teaching at that time or, or part of it. Because a lot, there was apparently a lot of criticism that we were being pushed into the arts, that we weren't, you know, so, but this is the industry. It's yeah. an industry town. And so, you know, the fact that, oh, yes, we went to uh, the opera on a field trip as opposed to the raw sewage disposal right. plant, you know, uh, you know that, or, that we were being pushed into it. But it was also parents and other things. But when the budget got cut for all of this, and this is a reoccurring thing that's happened over the decades, there wasn't the budget to take the school group to see because... You know, I had a drama teacher that wanted to take the drama class to see Avita. Yeah. Uh, and I think Annie was another one, but to see professional theater being done. But we got a field trip to NBC in beautiful downtown Burbank to see real people, mm -hmm. which, you know, a lot of people said, well, that was cool. And said, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a bad consolation Don't prize stop. to be in a live studio Don't audience. Stop. So I'm not complaining, but I, I do want to try to, and I don't want to sound like we were deprived. You know, all of a sudden we were cut our opera budget. Uh, but, you know, it was, that was the only thing that they could do financially. Yeah, and, and if it triggers ideas of maybe wanting to learn about how shows are made. Or, yeah. You know. Uh, but also showing us, this is what you see in your living room. This is what goes on when the commercials are playing yeah. or before the show. Because the show was going on, uh, you know, we were there Wednesday afternoon mm -hmm. and the show went on that, that night. night. So, oh, so this is going to the East Coast, you know. So you get to learn about that part of the process. But the other time we got to go to NBC Burbank was for a pilot. It was This was December 1979, right? I think we were getting ready to see Star Trek, the motion picture at the Chinese Theater. But they sent. A, we went to NBC, and uh, our teacher said, "Yeah, it is a variety show, and it's called Pink, Pink Lady. Lady." And Jeff, no, not Jeff. Oh, no, Jeff. Jeff, Jeff hadn't been there yet. Uh, he was there. He was not in the title. Oh. And I think there's a reason why they wanted to put him in the title later. But you have NBC and Burbank, uh, and we're down the hall from Johnny Carson, across the hall from the Channel Four newsroom. Days of Our Lives is down there, and we're brought in to the studio audience and they're telling us, yeah, that's a variety show and uh, it stars uh, uh, two singers from Japan named Pink Lady. And here's the other star. Me of the and Key. Me and Kay. 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 Now me and Kay uh, were very talented singers in overseas, the, yeah. Overseas in Japan. Yeah. So late seventies going into early eighties. Boy, they you know you would see photos of them in all the Japanese fan magazines, especially Roller Disco was in that every every shot they're in roller skates. Yeah. But you would also see like uh, performers that would be appearing at Budokan, like pictures of them with Leif Garrett or uh, you know the, the the top Tiger Beat stars. So yeah. I remember in school uh, some of the uh, 
uh, kids, especially some of the young girls that newly arrived from Japan, you know, living in an international city like we do. So they were reading the Japanese version of Tiger Beat or something like that. But anyway, they bring on me and Kay, and they were big singers, musical artists, singers in Japan. I found out later from a, a Japanese friend of mine saying, you know, back in those days, singers sang, yeah. actors acted. The idea I had to explain to her the concept of a variety show that you may have you may have Raymond Bird doing a comedy sketch on the Flip Wilson's uh, show. Yeah. Right, and he was very funny. Yes, by he the was. way, yes, he, he did a, a a very heavy love boat. Uh, he played an alcoholic, but he played a funny drunk. And part of it was using his size, yeah, because you had two people holding him, and he was bigger than the two people holding him together. Well, he so, was a, he was a notorious prankster behind the scenes. Of oh, Perry I, Mason I would especially. imagine. But him working, first of all, you see him next to Flip Wilson, and the size difference mm -hmm. is you knew he was a big man, but whoa. You know, he and well, he got he got bigger as Ironside. Yeah, you know, well, he was sedentary. Yes, he was. Uh, yes, he was. But to do the 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 flip shake, the famous yeah. flip shake, and then they exaggerate the the lap the the bump at the end, and they add a sound effect, and they shake the camera, and then you know, uh, Flip pretends he has whiplash, and Raymond <laughs> is like holding him up. Yeah, and it is a it is a funny bit, but there's he does a bit with Ruth Gordon. And so it's Raymond Beer, Ruth Gordon, and, and Flip Wilson in an opera box. And they're the sophisticated, you know, and he's, you know, the guy from the street, you know, heckling the opera. And it is hysterical. But there were opportunities for people that you knew from drama, you knew from music. So, like, you know, what did you have on the Carol Burnett show? You could have Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet doing sketches you could have william conrad you know doing spoken word uh yeah and he did he did a he did a couple of sunny and chairs uh christmas uh ones and he did dramatic readings yeah. of the christmas story he did one on santa claus basically doing yes virginia yes there but he did yes chastity and then he did another one uh and and it's on youtube you can find it and it was the story of christ and he tells the story about, you know, that we celebrate this man. And, and he never says his name. Yeah. But he talks about, he said, you know, this man uh, grew up to be a teacher. And, he, you know, he never traveled more than 200 miles from uh, his place of birth. And, you know, he did this and this, you know, and just basically did this biographical information. But what he did was so important that almost 2,000 years later, we still celebrate his, the day of his birth. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful telling of the life of Jesus, which I have never seen that type of telling before. I think that that tape should go into theological schools, uh, uh, divinity studies uh, schools. But you would have somebody like him, and then he would do a bit where he's singing a song and, and using his voiceover talents. And then, of course, he's going to do a sketch where they make fun of him being fat. Right. And, uh, you know, to be able to sing in one thing. And, but that didn't exist in Japan, according to what my friend was telling yeah. me. And... So you have... So you're talking literally fish out of waters. When, fish when, out of water. When they're flown the, out to the U.S. The, to do this yeah, variety show. They're a big hit as singers. And, of course, they're adorable. Yeah. You know, so I'm sure that when music video, which was just on the horizon, they would have been great with that. And, you know, they looked great on the album cover, yes. roller skating. And they could sing. Uh, but they bring them to the States, and they're going to give them a variety show. So nobody knows who they are. Yeah. 
but they're a big hit in Japan. But they're on NBC, and NBC in third is in third, in place, third place by a long shot. So you Fred try, you, Silverman. You try now. different things. You try yeah. different things. You're doing yeah. This is this is like right after Different Strokes and Hello Larry and BJ and the Bear and, and Super Train and Super Train. <laughs> so you had hits and misses right uh, under the uh, Fred Silverman era, and you know you also had you know Johnny Carson threatening to leave yeah. and and. And it was a very different time. We're taking a look at the 40th anniversary of the premiere of Pink Lady and Jeff, along with Tony Figueroa, as part of this week in TV history. But they come in, and uh, one of the producers gets on the microphone and said, and the other star of the show, Mr. Jeff Altman. And I had seen him. He had done some Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah. I had, he played the weather, weather wizard, wizard in Legends of the Superheroes. Legends of the Superheroes. So we knew him from that. And he was very, very funny. Uh, comedically, uh, you know, he could he could do the comedy, but uh, character-wise, he could play like the the yeah. fast-talking used card salesman, and a trained performer, a trained performer. And um, they later brought in Jim Varney to kind of comp- you know, help out. Yeah. Uh, and I forgot who the, uh, the the other female comedian, but you know, they would do a, a lot of the sketches, but Jeff would be out there in a tuxedo. And he would usually be, he would be like what Sonny was to share, that yeah. he would be the butt of the joke. Yeah, or, or like what what they did with Tony Orlando and Don. Exactly, the same thing. That was the, that was the formula. Yeah. Donnie took the pie yeah. from Marie. Uh, and uh, so we're in the audience, and they're working with me and Kay. And Jeff Altman, who also is a regular at the comedy store. Yeah. A very funny man. Very funny. And, you know, we're 14, 15 years old, and he is doing Stand up for us. Yeah. He is the warm up guy and he is doing a lot of routines, interacting. You know, he's, he wasn't doing raunchy material, yeah. but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't censoring yeah. uh, the seven words, let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, he didn't use all seven, but he used, so he wasn't condescending to us, even though we were teenagers. He took questions uh, and happily answered the questions and, you know, and then uh, when they would need to talk to him for a second, he'd step away. Uh, we would also um, see the crew working, and, 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 and the crew was very friendly to us. Saying, oh, you want to see how the camera works? Look over here. And so that was really cool. Uh, and then when, they would, when Jeff was going to come back and talk to us, they would have one of the writers, one of the producers get on the mic and say, Ladies and gentlemen, we got a surprise for you. He's from just down the hall. He's working on his own show, but he wanted to say hi, Mr. Johnny Carson. And Jeff would come out as Johnny Carson, <laughs> and he, he did a really good Johnny Carson, you know, and then he would do that, and we're still not doing the show, yeah. right? It's just, and then, uh, you know, they would talk to Jeff again a little bit, and then he said, ladies and gentlemen, we didn't realize that this was going on, but we're right next door to the newsroom. They're doing a, a, an interview with a, a presidential candidate, and uh, he said, uh, I think you know who it is, so ladies and gentlemen, let's just bring out the candidate. And Jeff Altman comes out and starts doing Jimmy Carter. Now, um, little little side story. This is a couple of weeks after the hostages were taken. Okay, early right? 1980. Okay. Early 19... Uh, 79. 79. Uh, for one of the bits that they want to shoot, they have the audience waving American flags. Ah, okay. So every audience member was given an American flag to wave because it's supposed to be at the end of this song. We all wave our flags, right? So, of course, we're handing out the flags and we're all shouting, free the hostages, free the hostages, right? Being obnoxious. 
the crew is doing the same thing. Jeff Altman eventually is doing the same thing. You know, uh, there's jokes about the Ayatollah, which we think are hysterical because it's the, you know, we're of the age where we're starting to get the topical humor and he's doing more of these bits. And then they finally get me and Kay ready to come on. And at first they do a, you know how they would have that banter. Yeah. Sonny and Cher were probably best at it. You know, Carol Burnett would interview the audience. Donnie Marie would come out on ice skates and there'd be some bit and then they'd go back and finish the song, right? Uh, so they would have uh, me and Kay come out and, uh, and do the banter. So Jeff would say, you know, so ladies and gentlemen, they're very popular in their home country of uh, Japan. They're here now to uh, take America by storm. Please give a big round of applause for Pink Lady, me and Kay. And they'd come out and we were, you know, we had the lights to applaud and they would come out through this door and they would say hi to Jeff. Now, one of them was the good cop and one was the bad cop. They had already worked out their characters. Uh, one was always very serious and one was very bubbly and yes. sunny, right? And uh, so they would be doing the bits and it would be so jeff we're glad to work with you yeah we should we should establish that english was their the, was, was their second language by a long shot they were that they were very uh they were learning things phonetically exactly and and learning on the fly and learning on the fly i think their musical talent helped a little bit but it would be like we're we're, we're happy we heard a lot about you and then the other one would say but we decided to come anyway yes and so you would have the jokes, and I think sometimes they were saying the jokes, not sure what they were saying, mm -hmm. and then uh, they would have to stop and do it again. Sometimes they would be speaking to each other in Japanese, trying to get it, you know, and then Jeff would pretend to speak, you know, like Sid Caesar Japanese, and they would try the joke again, and they would try the joke again, and they would try the joke again. They would finally get it right, and then you would hear the crew guys going, now you know how we won the war. <laughs> and then Jeff would make jokes about that, too. And, and then it would be like, but now they're going to sing a traditional Japanese song. And they would come back out in kimonos with the dainty walk and the umbrellas and all that. And they would sing the song in Japanese. And then, boom, the kimonos come off and they're wearing sexy Navy outfits. Yes. And they're singing village peoples in the Navy. Yeah. And then from the back, this plywood battleship pops up from the ground, which we hadn't seen before. Pops up, And then we're, because all the crew were making jokes about World War II, and then all of a sudden there's a battleship. We're laughing in hysterics. <laughs> Because it's like a punchline that the audience is not in on, just us. They're they're doing that bit, and then there's there's other. But it always ended with the hot tub. Yes, and you have this healthy young straight man, and these girls say, "Oh, Jeff, it's time for a hot tub," and and they would take off their their kimonos and they're wearing bikinis. very yeah. very skimpy bikinis. Yeah. Yeah. What you could the the most you could get away with. Uh, in 1979, and Jeff is going, no, no, I don't want the hot tub. Yeah. yeah, you got two hot chicks telling you to come into the hot tub. And so, you know, then they do the bit, and then this sumo wrestler, uh, who looks exactly like I'm, you know, just pops, it's, you know, it's a little sleight of hand with a camera. Uh, he, you know, they shoot without him, and then he gets into the water, and he has to actually be in this yes. tiny height and emerge yeah. like Godzilla coming up from the water. I'm, I know I'm being descriptive and it probably sounds like horrible stereotypes at this point, but he emerges and then the girls go, sayonara. And he goes, yeah, good night, everyone. Yeah. And he, and Jeff wants to hide. And, and that was always the bit. So whatever guest stars at the end of the show. And one of the guest stars was once Hugh Hefner. 
Hugh Hefner, Larry Hagman. Larry, Larry Hagman, Hagman was one. There's one like uh, Larry Hagman and, and Sid, Sid Caesar, Caesar. Yeah. and they're in cowboy hats playing cards, and you know, and then you got you know like. You know, uh, basically, uh, Hagman did it because he had an, because he mm-hmm. wanted an op- he wanted to work with Caesar. He wanted to work with Sid Caesar. You know, it was it was in the height of the who shot Jr. Uh, Dallas. Yeah, would have. Oh, he was, was he was on off. fire. He was on fire, and they were lucky to get him to agree. And Hagman made it work because when he found out that Caesar was was aboard that week, he said, "Okay, we'll make it work." And you know, Sid Caesar, you put him in a variety show. He. That's his element. That is, if there is a wheelhouse for Sid Caesar, but they're wearing cowboy hats, playing cards in the hot tub with the girls. Uh, but Sid Caesar also would do his Japanese gibberish, yes. doing a sketch where he's playing the girl's father. Now the girls are really speaking Japanese. Sid Caesar is ad living. <laughs> is doing <laughs> Sid, Caesar Japanese, ja- Sid Caesar Japanese. And, you know, and of course his father is a samurai. Yeah, uh, the girl's father is a samurai, and they're doing that. And of course. Whenever he does the foreign language, he would plug in the English word just at the convenient moment, yes. so you get the, uh, you know, so they're they're like like they're they're dressed, they're they're completely covered, but then he's like shouting because he's pointing at their exposed toes, yeah. but the space between the toes, he's calling cleavage, yes, in, in English, and of course it's hysterical, but him doing those characters playing off the girls. And so, you know, you have girls who have no concept of who I'm sure Sid Caesar is, you know, are new to the variety show. And here's this guy doing the, the Sid Caesar gibberish. I'm, I'm just thinking mm-hmm. aloud here. If this were done today, an effort would be made to get to know who Mai and Key yeah. were and write the show based on... Go, going back to what we were talking about with the Brady Bunch, you know, kids. And that they, they learn things about the six kids and they would work that into the characters as best yeah. they could. What they did with Pink Lady is you took a standard and they plugged them in. And they plugged them in. And that's one one of and, many reasons why it didn't and work. There were others too that are you know, uh, Mel Tillis and Susan Anton had one. They were plugging into the Sonny and Cher and Tony and, Cher and, 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 and John and Donnie Marie. Uh, the uh, Brady Bunch was using the basic formula of John, Donnie and Marie, yeah. except for instead of skaters, it was swimmers. The ice dancers, yes. Right. Yeah. So you you had that formula. And, and Rip Taylor. <laughs> and Rip Taylor. <laughs> you know, Carol Burnett was, I think, more unique uh, at the time. Yeah. I think Sonny and Cher, who but, were... But even so, Carol Burnett was molded after Carol. After Carol, yeah. yeah. Sonny and Cher had an act. That was greatly inspired by uh, Keely Smith, Smith and, and Louis, Louis Prima, Prima. Yeah. Uh, and their Vegas act. So the banter, yeah. you know, uh, the jokes and all of that it, with the music was very much them. But you could see that formula having the influence on Donnie and Marie yeah. and, and, and the staging for Donnie Marie had. And both Donnie Marie and the Brady's were uh, produced by Sid and Marty Mark Croft. Croft. Right. So you had, you know, their influence. Uh, but, yeah, there was the Mel and Susan variety show. Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell, Mandrell sisters, sisters, which uh, was after Pink Lady, but better than Pink it, it Lady. It was better than Pink Lady, but the genre was was on its last legs at that point. Yeah, and uh, it was wonderful. I think more for Louise Mandrell than yes. uh, Barbara, but you did have the same. And then uh, Dolly Parton tried to do the In same. In the late 80s, yeah. Tried to do the same thing again. And, uh, you know, and I think if it wasn't Dolly Parton, it never would have gotten off the ground. Yeah. 
But yeah, you just have that genre. But the Brady's got to do that particular thing. So uh, yeah, so we we can get the Star Trek variety show. Um, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And then would it would be a real true competition? Child of Television dot Child of Television Also StorySalon.com. Donna's four part novel series is now complete. Yes, it is. The last book, Fall Again Reunion, was published a few months ago. You'll see where the story finally ends. And to find out how the story begins and end, go to fallagainseries.com. Tony and Donna, we'll see you both next time. Next Next time. time. We'll take a look at the life of Bob Crane next on TV Confidential. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your drive and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-649-0142. 800-649-0142. That's 800-649-0142. Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon gemstones of narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storysalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. Ed Robertson, author friend Donna Allen Figueroa, who I understand has a new book out. Yes, it's entitled Fall Again Beginnings. It's the first part of a four-part contemporary romantic series a set against the background of working actors. Something that you know a, little, a thing or two well, about. Well, you write what you know, and I have been working in the business for several years. It is not necessarily autobiographical, but it's based on... Sure, many of the experiences that the actors in my book have, many have happened to me, many have happened to friends of mine. It's not if you're looking for... Valley of the Dolls, it's not, it's grounded in reality. It is grounded in reality, and it's the first in a series. Yes. Called the Fall Again series. Fall Again. Which is available as a paperback as well as an ebook and in Kindle at fallagainseries.com. Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk 
at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.